been an incredible journey that you've had, but were there any other options? Or was it purely motorsport in your head? Or did you think, I could be an astronaut, I could be a postman? Like, was there anything else that interested you out there? I believe I have enough uh, driving skills to be a postman, so I could... Very quick one. <laughs> I could do this job as well, but uh, of course I really targeted to be a professional driver. What was uh, uh, helping me is that people could see straight away my motivation and my determination because I was prepared to do anything to, to succeed in this, uh, in this sport. And that I think people could, could feel it. We did something together with Mikko and I've seen his name on Finnish Junior Championship mm. events. But honestly, when I went to airport to go to that Italy trip, I had to buy a Finnish motorsport magazine to see a picture of Mr. Hirvon and to find him from the airport. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's brilliant. That's how, that's how it started. Welcome to WRC Backstories, our exclusive World Rally Championship podcast presented by Bex Williams. Hello everyone, welcome back to the second WRC Backstories podcast of this new season. We are now two events down in the WRC and we have our youngest ever championship leader in the shape of Kale Rovenpera. I think it's fair to say that the season ahead is going to be as unpredictable as ever, which is just the way we like it. Now, for this edition of WRC Backstories, we're chatting to Hyundai driver Craig Breen. It is, after all, St. Patrick's Day week, so it's definitely apt that we head to the Emerald Isle for the only Irish driver in the top-flight WRC. For me, Craig's story so far reflects his unique personality. It's a bit of a roller coaster of highs and some truly heartbreaking lows, which have moulded him into one of the most down-to-earth, friendly, tea-obsessive drivers you're ever likely to encounter. A strong family connection is the driving force behind Breen. Let's find out a little bit more about the man who keeps it flat to the square right. Well, we welcome Craig Breen now, and I have to say, I'm looking at him right now on a, on a video call. He's got an incredible background. Welcome to you, Craig. Where are you talking to me from right now? Because it looks almost movie set-like, I have to say. Where are you in the world? When I thought a conversation like this deserved a nice backdrop, so I, I picked out this one especially, especially for you. But I'm actually I'm on the shores of Lake Como at the moment, uh, so I spend uh, spend a bit of time here. My partner Tamara is from is from here, and, and uh, obviously I was doing a rally in uh, in Choco at the weekend, which didn't finish so well. So I came back here uh, just for for a few days just to, yeah, refresh. Yeah, before we, we talk about the life of Craig Breen, how were you feeling after that incident? Obviously, as you said, it didn't go the way you planned. I did see a few pictures of the car not looking on its four wheels, let us say, but how are you? Yeah, yeah, fairly okay. Uh, obviously, I got, got quite a fright. It was a nasty, nasty accident uh, and yeah, quite a shock. You know, it kind of came out of nowhere, really just uh, got got a puncture and then, you know, by, by the time I realised about what had happened, we were already upside down. So uh, it was... Yeah, a nasty one, but look at you know these things happen. Uh, myself and Paul are are, are okay, uh, albeit a bit a bit shook up, but you know nothing uh, nothing too serious, and we'll be back uh, we'll be back soon. Good, yeah, he will be back soon. I, ha- I have to say, it's really nice to be able to chat, isn't it? Because I, I said this to Seb Oje, who was our last podcast person. You just don't get the chance now in COVID times in a rally service park to have a good old chin wag anymore. It's all masks and. 
two meters away from me, can't chew the fat anymore. And I don't like it, Craig. I like to have a bit of a gossip and I know you do too. Yeah, absolutely. It's strange, you know, it's strange to have a conversation with someone and, and they're having to hold a stick, you know, uh, <laughs> two meters away with, with, with a microphone on the end of it. So it's, uh, yeah, look at it a bit, I'm a bit like yourself, you know, I like to, I like to have, have a chat and get around and see everybody. And, you know, it's all a big circus at the end of the day. And, you know, we all, you know, know each other so well. And it's really, really strange times. So this is, this is actually a blessing. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> it is it is indeed so you're in Italy at the moment but we are right now we'll, we'll come to Italy eventually I'm sure in this chat but the entire purpose of these podcasts is to kind of look back at your younger days and discover who you are Mr Breen as a personality as a person what your character is like how you formed into the man that you are today all of you are how old are you now 41 I haven't formed yet I, still, I think I'm still forming <laughs> <laughs> hey mate, me yeah, too. Me too. And I've, I've got forming. a few years on you. I've got a few years on you. I'm still definitely forming. Uh, talk to me about the young Craig Breen in a minute. But before we get to that, every time we do these podcasts, I ask drivers to describe themselves using only three words. Mr. Ogier said, oh, I hate this. It's so hard to describe yourself in three words. And people do find it difficult. I would. So, what would be your three words to describe yourself, would you say? Ooh, uh, passionate, uh, <laughs> emotional, unfortunately, uh, and driven. Yeah. Those are good words. Good words. And I, I'm impressed with that. Now I'm, I'm impressed. I managed to think it was off the hop. I'm impressed with myself. I well didn't. Done. And I didn't practice. I didn't prepare. <laughs> oh, well done. Emotional. Fortunately, I would say I love your emotional, and I think everyone around the world does as well. Loves your emotion, emo, emotional outbursts at the stage end because it shows you're a person. It shows you're human. You're not a machine. You know, and everything. It all means something to you, and I think that's really important. Have you always been? Emotional? Yeah. Look. Yeah, I've always been a softie. Yeah, you know, I've always, and then, and <clears throat> every time I explain it to people, I always say I have my mom to blame for that one. She, uh, she made us, uh, she put the softy gene, uh, genes in our family. So, um, yeah, it's sometimes, honestly, when I look back on it, I, I struggle. And, and when I see it, it's like, oh God, you know, I don't, I don't want to look at that. But uh, unfortunately, sometimes in the moment, you know, this, uh, you know, particularly in, in, uh, in my career, you know, it means so much to me. It's so close to my heart that. Uh, ultimately, it uh, yeah it tears away on my heartstrings sometimes, and and I just I just let it out, and I can't uh, I can't control it. But anyway, that's who I am. That that is who you are, and you know your your parents, who I am very grateful to actually know, they're fabulous people. So they they've raised a great young man, I reckon, and I love the emotional quality that you show. Talk to me about the early years of Craig Breen growing up, then, because I think it's it's either one of two ways. You were either an angelic, godly child. Or you are an absolute nightmare. I don't think there's going to be any midpoint here. What was you? What were you like as a youngster? I was a softy. Uh, I was a big softy. Uh, well, from what from what I'm told, I was a big softy. Uh, I was petrified of everything. Uh, yeah, not really uh, one of those, you know, energetic, uh, you know, sporty kind of people. I was always kind of hiding in the, in the background and. Um, honestly, that my whole life was was dominated by rallying from uh, from the very start. So. I grew up, uh, you know, in a circle of friends of, of adults uh, and of people, you know, a lot, lot older than me. You know, I, I didn't have the typical, uh, you know, football or hurling as it is in Ireland, you know, kind of upbringing. It was a way to rallies, you know, from sort of three, four, five years of age and, and you know, going around in the back of chase cars and service fans. 
Um, a somewhat strange childhood, uh, but I, I, I wouldn't change it, uh, you know, for, for, uh, for anything in the world. It was an absolutely amazing, amazing way to grow up. And uh, yeah, still angelic all these, uh, all these years later, I hope. So for people who don't know, your father, Ray Breen, was a competitor back in the day. And, you know, in Ireland, it, it, it's very difficult to, to grow up and not be related to or know someone, I guess, who is into rallying. It's such a huge sport in Ireland. Yeah, it is, um, and I was I was so fortunate that yeah, my dad was was already into it before I was born, and um, just got sucked into the whole the whole thing. I, I wasn't very academic at school by any stretch of the imagination. I I hated it. I really just never got on with anything inside in the school. I had one childhood friend uh, who I basically had the whole way through uh, all my all my school years, and still to this day, Bobo, uh, he, he still goes to a lot of the, a lot of the rallies uh, pre-COVID with me. Uh, and I, I just stuck with him. We we both hated, I think, in equal measures, and we just got through it together. And you know, went to our rallies in the weekends and whatnot. So, rallying was uh, was my savior. And then obviously karting when I, when I was old enough to do it myself. But motorsport in general was was my savior as a as a child growing up. So, um, I was extremely extremely lucky to have uh, to have uh, that there. Uh, you know, and I have some incredible memories of. Like I said, going around in the back of the chase car uh, with with uh, with John Minan, the guy who used to take care of my dad's metro, and which would have been the first car I, I remember when I was growing up. Uh, obviously, the car couldn't carry a spare wheel, so you'd have to go around to the end of every stage with a with a spare wheel, always ready to uh, always ready to be uh, to be there as an and assistance. Other parts, and, like, that's, that's incredible. <laughs> and other parts, oh, a bit of everything. <laughs> a bit of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, yeah. It was a lot, a lot of, lot of, lot of things going on back then that you couldn't get away with. There, so uh, it was um, an incredible, incredible childhood. You know what I mean? I was so, so fortunate, and it's such a pity that it's, it's not like that anymore. But I feel so fortunate I've lived through what I would say the latter years of, of the golden, uh, golden era of, era of motorsports so, of rallying. So it was, uh, yeah, special times. Now, I mentioned touch briefly on your, on your parents. I actually sent your mum a text to find out any little stories from, uh, from, from when you were younger. And she's come oh, no. up with some absolute classics, which we're going to drop in as we go. <laughs> but this one, she says, he spent most of his summers taping off areas of the garden where our neighbours and ourselves had to stand as spectators, cheering, on, cheering him on as he raced around the loop of the house. Ray, your dad, would interview you after the event and the seriousness of the interview was for us hilarious <laughs> so you recreated your own little circuit then and you had a stage end interview wow i know i was well prepared that was it i was yeah god 25 years ago i was already well prepared for stage and stage and interviews back then so yeah that was me me and uh, one of my other best friends kevin uh, kevin Porcel, we used to uh yeah tape off we used to get the forbidden ground tapes from our local motor club and we tape off all the uh all the the perimeter of the of the house, and we'd make a we'd make a track, and then we'd get my dad on the stopwatch, and and uh, we'd both tear around, and and uh, and it's so serious, you know. I, I have the video; I must root it out and show it to you sometime. You know, get to the end of the stage, and it's it's it is so serious, deadly serious. You know, there is no obviously, you know, my mum and dad they're having a bit of a laugh for, laugh about it, and, and the next door neighbours. But for me, it was well, this was this was a rally, you know, and and, and it needed to be taken very seriously. It was a dangerous sport, <laughs> so. Um, I, it was yeah. I was just completely engulfed with everything at rallying already from from that age. So uh, yeah, there's some uh, some amazing memories. And obviously, you know, my parents just encouraged that in every single way that they could. You know, and still to this day, 
you know, they're, uh, they're just behind me in everything I do. And, mm. you know, no matter what I wanted to do, they, they rolled with it and, and put 100%, 100% of their weight behind it. So, uh, yeah, amazing memories. I forgot about that, actually. Yeah. And you have video footage of this. I have video footage of this. Yeah, oh. yeah, I have it. I'll read it up. The next this, time I get back to Ireland, I'll uh, I'll root it out and I'll send it. I'll send it on. As long has, as it's kept off the air. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure about that. This has got to be seen by the wider world. It absolutely has. <laughs> so you know, you were massively in training. Obviously, kind of behind the wheel, but also mentally preparing for these interviews back then. When exactly did you know yourself that this is what you wanted to do? when you grew up was it always there because you said you weren't so academic in school I'm guessing there was nothing else that was taking your attention like being an astronaut or anything um <laughs> no no definitely not not nor could I if I wanted to um honestly I, I I never thought any different all the way growing up um and obviously my parents tried to keep me humble and tried to keep me you know realistic that you know there's not many not many opportunities in, in any kind of motorsport and bear in mind once before I started karting, it was obviously you know rally, 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 and, and I was very focused on uh, on a more the domestic side of things in Ireland. I wouldn't have known so much about the World Championship. Obviously, you know you follow it a bit, and you'd know about the Colin McRae and Tommy Mackin and all these people in that era. But it was more Bertie Fisher, Austin McHale, Frank Maher, all these people in in Ireland at that point. Um, but then when I when I started karting, uh, obviously started to be successful quite quickly. And uh, then I started to go a little bit more towards the circuit racing side of things. And the higher up I went on the karting ladder, it seemed more natural and more realistic to go in a circuit racing direction than, uh, than in a rallying direction. And it, it, I, secretly, and obviously I didn't want to say it because I was given, I was being given this amazing opportunity you know, at the end, latter years of European and, and World Championship karting. Uh, but my heart was still in rallying. Like I, I, I was still a rally boy at heart and you know, I still followed all the results of everything going on all over the place when even during the kart weekend and um you know I was getting into my last couple of months in karting and, and it was sort of right you know we'll start making the preparations to go in, in the it would have been Formula Renault back then uh in Formula Renault UK and Euro Cup and I was like yeah 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 and that was a natural way to go but my heart was I want I want to go rallying you know I, I, really, I really really want to give this thing uh give this thing a go so um Eventually, uh, I uh, I took the plunge and, and started rallying. And honestly, from the first mile I did in in a rally car, I just knew I said, "No, this is it. This this is it." And I don't care if if I don't naturally have enough ability to be able to do it, I'll fight tooth and nail because I want to do this for the rest of my life. There's nothing nothing that ever compares to this. And uh, fortunately, uh, all these years later, still still blagging it, still still managing to get away with it. <laughs> Where was this first rally, and what year was that? It was in the end of uh, wait, it's the end of two thousand eight. I I got into the world championship in carts, which was there's only thirty got through to the world uh, the world world cup they called it back then, uh, and I pulled my entry about, about a week before and or ten days before, and I just said no, just don't feel it anymore. I, and my local rally was on that weekend in, in, uh, in Carrick and Shore, and that was it. So it would have been in October time two thousand eight. Um, and actually, no, and this is one of I I, I didn't didn't say before. Well, I'd done a rally in 2007, I think it was. Uh, yeah, 2007, I did the Stone Trolls Rally. Um, and it was prepared so badly. I had a European Championship uh, kart race on uh, all the week beforehand. I was testing in the kart Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Flew back on a Friday. I had never even seen the rally car before. Did, did no recce, just did the off the organizer's pace notes. And I absolutely hated it. 
uh, it just it was all wrong. I felt so I felt so unconfident. Uh, I felt so unsafe, no preparation, and I just I crashed uh, a couple of stages into the rally. Still managed to finish it. I said, no, I'm, I, that, that doesn't really suit me. And, and, and I said, no, carton is, is what I'm going to do and, and I'm going to keep on, uh, keep on doing it. That, it was only when I prepared properly and did all the, the, right, the right things before and the second time that I understood, okay, this is, uh, this is something special. <laughs> yeah, and it obviously clicked. And it, it, it is all, and it still is all about preparation, isn't it? You've got to get it absolutely right. Even you know, when you're at, at the lower level, right up to the, to the top level, preparation is absolutely key. So who was sat alongside you then for those first rallies? I had a, <laughs> I had a family friend that, that sat in with me for the first, uh, first couple of rallies, uh, Billy Collins. He was actually at the end of the stage in, uh, in Meheron with, with us uh, in, in, uh, in 2011 when myself and Jaff won the, won, won the, won the, the, the academy. Uh, so yeah, Billy, uh, Billy sat in with me for the first, uh, first couple of rallies. Uh, and then it was, uh, I think I did maybe four or five rallies in the end of 2008. He sat in with most of me, another girl, uh, Soraka Kelly, she, she sat in with me for one or two rallies as well. Uh, and then it, was, it wasn't until sort of Christmas time, the end of 2008, that we made a more kind of a forum and, and, a, and a proper plan about giving this whole rallying thing a go in, into, into 2009. So it was uh, exciting times around then. <laughs> so when did you meet Gareth? When did you meet Jaff? When, how did that come about? The Irish and the Welshie, how did that fall? Well, it was all a, all a, big, uh, a big coincidence because at that point, I'm sure it's public knowledge now, but at that point, uh, Gareth was obviously co-driving for Elvin. Mm-hmm. And Elvin had been a naughty, naughty boy and had lost his licence. Uh, That's right. For, yeah, which, would, which would have been 09. So I, I had sussed this around the, end of, around the end of 2008 and I was kind of always keeping an eye out. And, we were supposed to do two or three rallies and they were cancelled, randomly cancelled. Uh, I don't know, was it early 09 or the end of 08? North Humberside, I remember one of them. And then there was another rally that was cancelled as well because it was a storm or something. Uh, and eventually then we did the Sunseeker rally, uh, which would have been very early in 2009, I'm sure. Yeah, it wasn't the British Championship or anything back then. It was just a, a, a kind of a warm-up event. It was Ancro Championship back then, I think. And the first day, I, I just obviously spoke to him on the phone. I'd never met him before. And the first day I met him uh, was, yeah, in the service park of the Sunseeker Rally. No recce back then, so we just had the, the DVD. It was the day before the rally. And uh, <laughs> he got out of the car, walked towards me, and I was with Tom, uh, Tom Gahan, who will probably talk a lot about in the podcast. And uh, I remember he got out of the car and started walking towards me. And I said to Tom, Jeez, I never realised he was so small. <laughs> I never realised. I never realised from the videos that he was. I knew that he was small, but I didn't realise he was that small. He was. He was a, uh, you know, he was really, really, really tiny. And uh, you know, I remember Tom saying, "Jeez, that's great. You know, he'd be, he'd be light anyway. At least <laughs> it's a good. That's a good start, you know." So, and uh, and yeah, that was where the where the whole story started with Jeff in in uh, in Bournemouth, the Sunseeker Rally. Um, yeah, got on like I was on fire. Just you know, he really settled in. I think. The Welsh and the Irish really have something in common, especially with humour, you know, and, and humour to me is a big thing in, in a car, you know, there needs to be a bit of crack and there needs to be a bit of banter or else, you know, at the end of the day, no one enjoys it and it just ends up in something negative. So uh, we really, really hit it off from, from, the, from the very start and uh, it was a start of a, an, amazing, uh, an amazing story together. Yeah, in- incredible story together. And, and you're right, you know, he was such a little, little person. It was he's compact and bijou. But, Craig, and everyone talks about this, and they're so right, the bigger smile. 
that you know you could ever see it completely filled his face and what whatever if if he he'd done something wrong or if you'd done something wrong which is a story i'm going to come on to in a minute jaff could put it right with one of his smiles because i remember the first time not the first time i met you i'd met you prior to this but we it was 2010 we were in turkey rally turkey i think it was 2010 or 11 i think it was 10 and we were coming back from Turkey on a bus because the Icelandic volcano had erupted and caused all kinds of problems with airspace and, and ash and everything. And M Sport had very kindly laid on two buses to get their team back and they offered some seats to, to other people as well. And I was on there and I remember my colleague Colin was on there as well and you and Jaff were on there. And we took, and I'm sure you remember this, it took us 65 hours to get back to mainland UK. We took the most convoluted route known to man. I, I think some of the Turkish drivers couldn't actually drive through some of the countries because of their licenses or whatever. So we had to go around places. Um, and one of our like second stops um, was in a McDonald's and we could all see these golden arches and we were all really excited because all we'd eaten had been absolute junk chocolate marshmallows cans of coke which were on the bus you remember this right i can see you laughing yeah everything 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 the, yeah, the yeah experience was 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 quite something and we get to this mcdonald's and of course everyone piles off and they've got their charges because you know phones now are dead we're talking 2010 where battery life was about three hours or something it wasn't the days of the nokia 6210 where your battery lasted three years you know we were all onto iphones at that point and nothing lasted so i find this you know powerpoint in, in mcdonald's and i rush there with my plug and just as i'm about to put the plug in you're there with your plug and you look at me and you just go i'm waiting to hear about a rally in the brc i have to charge my phone and i'm looking at you thinking I've got a tweet to my audience here. <laughs> my audience versus your <laughs> rally in the BRC. Oh, and Jaff comes along and he just flashes me this huge smile. And he's like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and he's like, okay, Breen, you can have the plug. You can have the plug because Jaff has smiled at me. <laughs> it's all all right. <laughs> and I'm thinking, bloody oh. Craig, bloody Breen. Did you get to do the rally in the end, by the way? Because it was, I think it was a, uh, was it a Pirelli? BRC Pirelli rally we that weekend? It was the Pirelli rally, yeah, yeah. We did manage to do it in the end. Uh, I remember I was, I, I, I can't imagine what the smell was like, but I was, we were, we were dropped off on the, uh, where's the, in Penrith? Penrith, that'd be right, yes, on the way up the M60, yeah. of M50, yeah, the M50, whatever, M56, whatever it's called. And uh, we were dropped off the bus. There was a second, like, wasn't there a Stobart bus that collected us from the port? Yeah, the picked us up at um, us up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I was dropped off that second bus, not having had a shower for whatever, 60 odd, odd hours it was. Uh, at Penrith, uh, Di Garrett's brother was there, if I remember well. He collected this with her overalls and everything, got changed in the car, uh, and drove straight to the shakedown. Uh, the shakedown of the, of the Pirelli Rally was on the following weekend, so that oh, was yeah. Thursday. Yeah? I haven't left Monday morning. Smell, I, I can't imagine what the smell was like. <laughs> well, the smell wasn't good on the bus, hard. was it? And it, wow, there's some stories to tell from that. I mean, we we did stop at one point at what the driver obviously thought was like a toilet block. It's just like this concrete building. I don't know if you remember this. It's just a concrete yeah. building in the middle of nowhere. We stopped. We all got out. And the girls very quickly realized it was just a hole in the ground. And we were like, oh. Some of us are like, oh, no, we're going to hold it. We're going to hold it till the, <laughs> until the next stop. And then when we came out of this concrete block, there were some ladies of the night. Yeah. 
<laughs> was... I've, ne I've never seen you know a group of mechanics look so scared in their lives because it was about 5 a.m in the morning and we'd been on a bus for 40 hours at that point no one was in the mood for anything like that yeah and we very quickly got I on have, I can, remember, I can remember being stopped at one place somewhere in Romania or something like that with the with the map sprawled out on the front of the bus. And the, the, like, there was Millie and John Wellington like pointing at a Calais going, here, we need to go here. And then the, bu the two bus drivers going, no, no, not possible, <laughs> not possible. And I think, where could, was it Serbia they couldn't go through or... or or some one of those play, one of those countries in in Eastern Europe, and either they they couldn't pass through. And we had to do a big bypass around it, and God, it was an, it was an adventure. Now I'm, I'm glad I did it now, and I, and it's always you know the famous story with the bus. You can always chat about. God, at the time it was an absolute nightmare. It, it was, was an absolute it was a nightmare. nightmare. Oh, we did get to Calais eventually with the help of a sat nav because when we got on the bus, they did have Calais written down, but it was just on the, a bit of cardboard. The word Calais. That was it. And I thought, if that is our help to get from Turkey to Calais, we're, we're in big trouble here. But they did borrow someone's sat nav. We did get there. We got pulled over by the police at one point as well in Germany because we had to go. Yeah. Yeah, we went through, skirted through Germany. Oh, man. Anyway, that, that, was, that, anyway. Was, that was back in the day. But that was a, a, a good point in, in your career, <laughs> okay, bus aside, because things were really coming on for you and Jaff and, and success was coming your way. And Let's talk about 2011 because that was the, the ultimate success and probably the most amazing stage end that I can remember at the end of, it was Wales Rally GB where you won the WRC, WRC Academy it was called back then. It changes all the time. It's basically the junior championship yeah. effectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, uh, <clears throat> 2010 was a funny kind of a year to be honest with you. We had a really, really good year in 2009. Uh, we won pretty much everything that we had in front of us uh, that year, the Irish, the UK, and uh, would have been the FSTI, the, the World Championship Fiesta Trophy back then, and uh, immediately skipped into a Super 1000 car and went completely out of our depth. Uh, and mm. yeah, spent uh, quite a confusing year, to be honest with you, not making a lot of progress, uh, not been able to beat the Group N cars, which was sort of expected, uh, and that knocked my confidence a lot. So. At the end of 2010, we won this uh, this Pirelli Star Driver, which gave us uh, um, a full season in this new WRC Academy that was the first year it was going to run. So it was a step back, but honestly, it, it couldn't have come at a better time. And uh, we, we headed off headlong into that, that championship. And yeah, obviously, uh, <laughs> very much up and down season. Uh, we were probably the quickest, the, the quickest package. We obviously had the most of the stage wins in all the year, uh, led a lot of the rallies, but uh, yeah, some over exuberant sometimes uh yeah made us not win so many of the events but anyway it all it all piled down to the to the last round in, in wales um i think there was how many stages were in the rally was it 18 or 19 or something and we had to win win the rally overall and win at least 17 out of 19 or some something like that yeah and uh, uh, you in a way were they you know they were yeah. but yeah, it was one of those ones where, you know, you, you talk about it at the start of the rally and even the people that are interviewing you are going, he's done the match, but like, it's not, you know, it's not going to happen. You can't, you can't do it like that. But I remember, uh, and I remember already the first stage of the rally uh, was in Great Orm and uh, the first couple of, I wasn't leading the championship, so I was running a couple of cars back and I warmed all the car up and the car in front of me went off and the stage was stopped for like 45 minutes or something like that. So I started with cold tyres. And uh, I was the first car to start the stage again. And then obviously with cold tires, lost the first stage of the rally. So I was, I was immediately, you know, down one stage. 
which meant at that point I could only afford to lose one stage more for the whole, the entire rally. Um, so yeah, I can remember in the horrible fog on the Thursday night, really with the Clocainog, I think, uh, horrible, horrible fog and we had a really good time. So that was obviously into into uh, into the, the second day of the rally. Uh, luckily, we had a great pace. We were able to win all the stages of the rally, or up until the, the final stage. I don't know if you remember this. On, on, I uh, do. I do. On Friday, Friday, on Friday night, and uh, crazy fog again. It was. Oh, what's the name of this stage? I can remember a little tiny road section to go to the start of it. We ran it. We ran it even last year. Uh, I won't be remember the name of the stage. Though. It starts on uphill. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, really, really crazy fog. Really, like I remember having, having to open the door several several times in the stage to make sure it was still on the road. I know that sounds so You're stupid, joking. but it was it was no, no, it was so bad. I can remember Kevin Abring uh, was doing it with Volkswagen at the time in a Skoda, and he got motion sickness. He started to vomit in the stage and everything because it, it was just a like a blank sheet white piece of paper in front of you. You couldn't see wow. nothing. Uh, and uh, we caught three or four cars in the stage. I remember there was some of the like the, the slower group N cars were starting in front, and uh, came to the end of the stage. And uh, yeah, we'd beaten all the guys uh, around us. Uh, Egon, I think, was was running behind us. We'd taken a good chunk of time, so we thought perfect. Okay, another stage win, and we started the driveway back to. Uh, this was your main competitor, to... wasn't it? This was Egon Core, who's the Estonian driver. Yeah, yeah, Egon, Egon Kaur, he was the main guy, and Alastair Fisher was was uh, was there as well. So once we'd beaten them, and I think it was maybe I watched one or two more people come off the stage, and we'd beaten them quite considerably. I said, okay, that's fine. But uh, Molly, uh, Molly Taylor was running, uh, was she was running maybe twenty minutes behind or twenty five minutes behind, and. Uh, <laughs> okay, whether it shifted or not, I don't know. But in my opinion, the fog shifted a little bit. Uh, <laughs> well, and, you would uh, say that. <laughs> I would, I would say that. But no, to be fair, uh, Molly, uh, Molly did an incredible uh, stage, and uh, she won the stage not by much. I think only by like two or three seconds or something like that. And I only realised this after I got back to service and I, I think my, my dad and and uh, my mum and dad knew it already by the time I got back, but didn't tell me anything. And we kind of went for dinner in hospitality. And uh, I was, you know, high on life. We'd won all the stages that day. The job was done. I still had, I could afford to lose one more stage the next day. No worries. And then they were like, um, it's like, Molly actually won the the, the, the last stage. It's like, what? And then Molly came in at the same time. She's like, I'm so sorry. It's like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> she, was, she was completely, you know, in panic thinking that maybe she was going to lose the championship because she did one fastest stage time. And I was like, oh, don't worry. You know, it's it's not your fault that you were, that you were fastest or whatever. So... That uh, that made it a little bit more difficult the last day, and the last day was uh, was around our favourite stages, which is uh, yes, yeah, Sweet, Sweet Lamb, Meharan, all around the hill. So uh, beautiful, beautiful stages. And uh, first loop, we won won the three stages. Uh, so we were yeah back into the into the last over. So we changed everything on the car. We were leading the rally by like three minutes or something at that point, but we had to keep winning all the stages. Yeah. So remember, we took. Penalties in service, we, we changed all the arms, all the dampers, uprights. They could have even changed the gearbox. That was, I guess, influenced by having Tom there. Tom Gahan had worked with M-Sport for years and knew uh, you know, a lot of the mechanics and, and obviously Matchek and everybody in M-Sport was just like, <laughs> make that car new before it goes back out again because we were having to, we were having to perhaps push it a little bit more than, than, uh, than it should have been. And uh, I can remember uh, there's a very famous video of Elvin because uh, Elfin was doing the rally in an R2 car that year, and Sweet Lamb in in the top section over the jumps, there was a huge hole uh, that had been dug into the ground. And uh, when he came over the jump, the car nosedived and completely destroyed the front of the car, and, and he stopped. Uh, 
and uh, there was two or three, Jason Pritchard and somebody else. There was a quite, a, quite a number of people that got stuck in this big hole. So I remember we came to it. Uh, we came to this crest and it was, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Dale Furness uh, was co-driving with Jason Pritchard at the time. And I remember he was trying to, he was trying to run into the road, uh, but the marshals were holding him back. And he was trying to run more and more. And then at the last second, he properly ran to the top of the crest and was just, you know, waving his hands. And I was like, is, is there somebody lying on the road on, on the opposite side? I had no idea. So I slowed right down and uh, kind of tippy-toed to the top of the crest. And then obviously saw the hole and was able to go around it. So luckily yeah. that, that saved us. But obviously then got to the end of the stage and I went, but if he doesn't do that to someone else, if he doesn't do that to, to, uh, to, to Egon and he goes over the jump, misses the hole, you know, in such a short stage, he's definitely going to beat us. So I can remember, and, and it was Sweetland was the second last stage. The last stage was Meharan, and obviously phone signal in that part of the world is non-existent. So oh. we had no idea. Tell me about it. Shocking. Trying to, trying to yeah, do shocking. radio from that stage, always a nightmare. Holding, <laughs> holding the box. <laughs> holding the box very high in the air. Stretch your arm, Craig. Yeah. Stretch it further. <laughs> when you are stage end reporter, we'll get to that though. Go on, carry on. Yeah, I, I, I was that soldier. Uh, so, yeah, and then the Jaff's Car Club uh, was actually doing the, the, they were running the, the stage in, in Meharan. So we pulled up to the start of the stage and Jaff called one of his friends over and he's like, can you get on the radio and ask, you know, who, who won the stage in Sweet Lamb? Because obviously if we lost the stage in, in Sweet Lamb, you know, we could have just driven through uh, Meharan and, and the temperature was gone. And uh, I remember we had, we were sat on the line for about two minutes and there was no word coming back and you could see him. He's like, I can't get any word. And with about 20 seconds to go, he came over and wrapped on the window and uh, put the window down. He says, no, you've won it. You've won it. You're okay. Uh, you know, you've won that one. So 20 seconds to go. And uh, I had ha- and at that point, it was half a million euros, uh, the, the, the prize money for winning that championship. Like half a million euros. Like it doesn't, it, it's difficult to even comprehend now. Yeah. And having to just, you know, if I had to win that stage uh, and I had half a million euros, which was basically the next step of, of, of my career. And, um, I can remember, I can still remember to this day, you know, uh, how, how the stage went. And I still have the onboard floating around somewhere on, on, uh, on my hard drive. And I give it a look every so often because it was just one of those out-of-body experiences, you know, just tearing away on down. And the beautiful stage, you know, I've always, always loved it. And uh, obviously, I finished the stage, came to the end. Uh, I can remember Di, uh, Jaff's brother, was standing about a mile or two from the end of it with a Welsh flag, uh, you know, waving it. And, and uh, you know, came, came to the end of the stage. And uh, obviously, at that point, we'd built up a, quite a big lead in, in the in the academy, and Egon was running maybe I don't know ten or twelve cars behind. So we had to you know park up at the end of the stage and then wait for him to come wait for him to come through. And our only way of knowing the progress was obviously Colin was at the end of the stage, uh, and he was able to give us all the, the, the split times and whatnot. So yeah, from me, uh, it was it was yeah, from you. It was literally a. Bex, he's, he's still here. Craig's still waiting. You know, what's the update? What, what's the split? What, what's the split now? I don't like, I have never stared at a screen so hard, you know, <laughs> watching those splits coming in and, you know, actually feeling nervous, giving out any times and making, trying to make sure it was absolutely right because you're there waiting. Everyone around the world is waiting to find out who's won this championship. And, you know, Egon had a huge amount of followers in Estonia as well. So, you know, they're all messaging in as well. You're like, oh... The, the pressure to get all this information out right and you know eventually obviously it went your way but tell me what it yeah. felt like to, to hear that news I can still remember 20, it was, I don't remember what the minute was but it was 22 one I remember was Egon's time and I knew that we were, we were 18 or 17 or something and it was Julian Julian Porter was at the end of the stage 
uh, and he was actually in the back of the timing van uh, waiting for Egon's time to come through and, and when his time came through he came out and, and said uh, he's 22-1 and I knew at that point then we had, uh, we had done it so I was just it was just the most incredible feeling uh, you know I can remember seeing him jumping and, and screaming around the place I half lost my voice I did an interview with Raleigh with uh, with uh, with Howard and my voice was half gone when I was when I was doing it, um, and uh, yeah, just such a beautiful place to do it in as well. Okay, beautiful place. It was you know pissing rain, you know foggy, uh, murky, but it was just so typical you know Wales and and everything everything that we love about it. And, you know back to back to um, to Bill's Wells then into the cow shed. You know it was just you know we may as well have been in, in Casino Square when we came back into the into the cow shed in in, uh, in Bill's Wells and. and uh, and celebrated, you know, it was just an amazing day. All my family and friends were there. When things were starting to go well, a lot of my friends had jumped on the boat and, and came over and, and were there to support. So it was uh, it was a big night in the village in uh, in uh, in, uh, in in Bilt. I remember that night. So great, incredible memories, incredible, incredible memories. Yeah, I mean that that has got to you know it's it's got to stick out as as one of the best be- because of the build up for it all. You know the the whole weekend of having to push so hard. With like as you say, kind of the odds stacked against you in a way, and I'm sure I can already see the faces of journalists that you were telling. Well, we've got to win all but one of the stages and win the rally, and they're like, "Well, good luck," and um, don't be too disappointed <laughs> if it doesn't happen. <laughs> exactly. But then you would, you know, you achieved it. How incredible that must have felt! I can't even put words to what that must have felt for both you and for Jaff as well. Tell me about his reaction. When he had great news like that, I mean, I remember you both in the press conference afterwards, but in that moment, was he emotional like you or did he kind of keep it inside a little bit? No, he, he lost all control of his emotions. <laughs> I remember even the road section going back, he was, uh, you know, we just couldn't believe it. And, uh, you know, he kept saying, can you believe it? Like, can you actually believe it that we managed to do it? And, I think that there is no better circumstances to win a championship uh, than than that, and a championship with so much reward for winning it. Uh, you know, I think obviously winning a championship under any circumstances is something special. You know, no matter if you're consistent or you know if you win it with a big margin, but to get it on the last stage of a rally in a, in a shootout like that, that's really something that you know it's something that you could never expect in your wildest dream. So it was absolutely perfect. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, you know, you know, we're thinking about it now. It's what ten ten years ago, and it does, yeah. it just it doesn't feel like that. Does it? Doesn't feel like ten years has passed, and you know, so much has happened. And in that time, unfortunately, you know, we lost Jaff, and that had an, an incredible effect on you. Understandably, how did you manage to pick yourself up after all of that, Craig? Because that was an extremely difficult time in your life, in your career, but you came back to rallying pretty quickly afterwards. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but how did you find the strength to do that? Honestly, uh, only through the people that were around me. Um, obviously, my own family were, were so, so supportive, uh, you know, in the aftermath of the accident. But equally, uh, uh, Jaff's family uh, were just you know, absolutely in, in, incredible. Um, I'll never forget the strength of, of of them all and their words of support to me. I obviously felt um, in the moments, you know, immediately after the accident in Sicily, I, I thought it was sort of the, the done thing that, you know, you close the book and and, uh, and you forget about it. And, you know, I, I felt sort of it would be a selfish act to to continue uh, and, and, to, and to move on. But, you know, 
once I'd spoken to my dad and you know dad had said first of all you know no one's no one's expecting you to do anything you know by all means if you, if you don't feel like doing it anymore we'll we'll be behind you 100 percent. but you know by god if you want to go and do it again don't feel that you're obliged to stop you know um or at least from a you know from a moral point of view don't feel like that but i still just felt inside that you know from from garrett's side and from garrett's family side i, I didn't feel morally correct to, to, to get back at it but you know, the, I went and, and visited them uh, the week after the accident, and uh, I can just remember this—you know—just big group of wide open arms when I when I arrived at the doorstep of the house in in, uh, in Camarden, and and um, you know, I just felt so so much comfort uh, from all of them, and I can remember you know when I started to talk to them, you know, I'm a little bit unsure about about what you know about what to do, and you know, I feel a bit like this, I feel a bit like that, and it was sort of shocking. Say, what are you talking about, boy? You know this. This is a uh, this is your dream, you know. Don't don't let this stand in your way. And it's not only your dream, but it's Jeff's dream as well, you know. Don't don't stop it now, you know. There's, especially when it's, it's right at, at a point where it's it's starting to, to to skyrocket, you know. Don't pull the pin on it now because that would be that would be uh, you know an injustice for ev- all the hard work that's been done by everybody. So um, you know, soon after having that conversation, you know, I remember going back in the car. I was saying, right, uh, I need to. I need to get back in the horse as quick as I can. Uh, you know, I need to, to get back in the rally car as quick as I can. And if I want to do this properly, I can't leave time pass by because, because uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll feel the, I feel the, the, the lack of uh, lack of seat time, and I, I think it'll just get worse and worse as time goes on. So, um, I can remember within I think it was around three weeks. Uh, three weeks later, I did a I did a test with uh, with, with Porjo, uh, and honestly, just getting back into the car again. It felt it was the place where I could be closest to him. Uh, it really felt like it was a place that we we spent so much time together. We had so many memories from uh, from being in the car together. And I just felt it was so natural to be uh, to be back there again. And you know, I haven't uh, I haven't looked back since. It's been it's been absolutely amazing. Yeah, and you know, you carry him with you always. You reference him uh, not all the time at stages, but he he comes into conversation. He's on your helmet. He's there. You know, and. It, 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 before we started this this podcast you said to me don't don't feel you can't mention him or don't feel you can't talk about him and I've got to be honest with with you I never feel that I I can't mention him because you you talk about him so openly and you know it 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 feels like he's part of the conversation and it keeps his memory alive by by talking about him as well and I you know I know that you appreciate that the family appreciates that he's he's still there and he's still kind of pushing you in your back and pushing you forward and you, i think we all sense that it's it's funny isn't it in in that sense but we can sense it yeah well the way i look at it listen how, how could you not talk about him you know little you know, yeah. he's just he was just such a, a lovely nice friendly bubbly person that he's just mm. he was never they didn't make him to be forgotten uh, you know what i mean he wasn't uh, he wasn't that type of character and and uh, I just loved that I, I was able to share some some of my story with him, albeit too short. Uh, I was just so privileged. I learned a lot from him. He was incredibly professional, uh, you know, incredibly professional. And I think anyone that worked with him would have uh, would have uh, would have said the very same. He came from uh, you know a hard knock school of of, uh, of the Welsh co drivers. You know, they really looked after him between the, the two fields. You know, Phil Pugh and Phil Mills. They really helped him a lot, uh, along with a lot of other co drivers uh, in the UK and. They really saw a huge talent in him, uh, and uh, I was just so so privileged to have uh, to been able to spend not only the years you know competing and been able to take uh, take value from his, his professionalism and, and his work attitude, but just having him as a friend. Uh, you know, he was uh, 
he was definitely larger than uh, larger than life and you know I, I love you know that that he's always part of my story I love that he's on the helmet I love when people bring him up in conversation or there's a story or uh, you know I, I see something a photo that I haven't you know that I hadn't seen before or there's a video or something or someone tells me something about him you know it's it just lets me know that he's always there and yeah uh, yeah, he, like I said, he wasn't he wasn't made to be forgotten, no, Jeff. <laughs> no, definitely not, definitely not. So getting back into a car and and picking another co-driver, you know, someone who who would you would you would be able to trust because having that trust, especially after coming away from that accident, would be would be paramount. How did you go about that? Yeah, obviously, uh, I had known Paul for for a good few years, um, and uh, Paul Nagel, obviously, and uh, we had been, uh, yeah, even before you know, even before the accident or anything with, with Jaffa, would have always been in touch with him, and uh, he was, I have to say, very very good to me uh, in in the aftermath of the accident. Was you know very always calling, and you know I I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost 100% sure it wasn't in, in, a, in a way of trying to, you know, work together or something like that. He was genuinely, genuinely concerned uh, about, you know, how, how I was, you know, mentally. And, and uh, he, he knew that, that he, he was a figure that uh, I looked up to and uh, that, that I appreciated. And, um, as the weeks went on, it just sort of seemed natural that, that uh, I, you know, I asked the question to Paul. I said, look, I said, I want to get back at this thing again as soon as I can. Uh, we're going to go to Finland, who was the next, the next rally uh, in, in the SWRC, which we were doing back then. And I said, "Would you be uh, Would you be able to come on and and, uh, and give me a hand?" And he, he never even hesitated and said, "Yep, yeah, by all means, you know, I'll I'll be there." And he um, he was another one of the reasons that made it so easy for me to get back into the car again. You know, it was uh, it was felt really really natural. He really you know put his heart and soul into you know not only doing his his job as a co-driver but you know nurturing a, a timid slightly damaged uh, you know uh, you know morally and mentally uh, young lad back into the car again and he took that with both hands and uh, just did an, an absolutely amazing job so I, I will be even more so for the job that he does for me today I'll be even more grateful for what he did back then uh, you know yeah. because I was you know a, a lot more immature at that point uh, you know emotionally I was you know a little bit all over the place and uh, he just you know just jumped into it like uh, you know like the absolute professional that he is and went above and beyond his uh, his, his call of duty to, to help me. So it was uh, an incredible job by him. Yeah, and it was by no means an easy feat. I mean, you said, you know, getting back into the car, you know, fe feeling natural, getting back into it. But I remember seeing you at Finland and it's a tough rally to come back into. It's immediately high speed. You've got to have huge balls to be competing there anyway. It's, it's not the rally to come back to, to build your confidence, but that is the one you picked. And I remember seeing you coming to interview during a media zone and you got out of the car and, you know, you've got your pale skinned anyway, you know, you're, you're a bit shy of the sun, I think, Mr. Breen, but you were white as a sheet. You, you just looked as if, you know, oh, everything had just completely drained. And I, I, I was coming towards you to interview you and I was chatting away to Lisa back in the studio. Oh yeah, we've got Craig Breen here and I saw you. And I just immediately said to Lisa, well, we'll be with Craig in a couple of minutes. And I just came over to you and, and kitched you, give you a hug, because you look just so battered by that point. And you could tell you put every ounce of your being into driving that car and you had nothing left when you came back into the media zone. You needed your own little refuel yourself. So it, that was a hard event for you. I could see that. Yeah, it wasn't easy. You know, it, it's probably the worst place in the world that you can, you know, go go back to and, and start to, you know, build some confidence up again. But uh, and then 
I won't say to make matters worse, but we actually started quite strong and, and we ended up we were in, in a fight for, for leading the event and uh, we led it for, for, for quite a way. We were fighting with, with, uh, with PG Anderson and I, th- I think he, he even felt a little bit bad, you know, that, that he was, you know, fighting with us and, and, you know, taking a couple of seconds here and there because he, I think he knew even himself that it was quite delicate and, and uh, it was, uh, it would have probably been easier if I, you know, got back into the car again and then settled into my own little, you know, space, you know, with, you know, somebody far in front of him and, and, and you know, the, the guy behind far away and just been able to drive, but we were right up there and, and fighting for it. And, uh, and then obviously, uh, which was very publicly shown after we had, uh, you know, we had a, quite a huge accident in uh, in Unumpai on the, the second last stage of the rally when we were fighting for the lead. So, um, but honestly, uh, my first thought when when the accident finished was, I'm fine. Okay, I broke my wrist, uh, and Paul broke a rib. So, nasty. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not completely fine. But yeah, yeah. This, was a, this, this, was, this was a bad accident, uh, you know, high speed, you know, we rolled a, a lot of times and we're both fine. What happened in Sicily was, you know, such a freak, uh, you know, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was really just so many, the stars aligned in a negative way and what happened happened and the accident, like what happened in Finland, you know, it's going to happen again and again and it's going to happen other times, it happened at the weekend. You know there are risks, but ultimately, uh, you know nine times from ten you get out and you know you dust yourself off and you get on again. And it taught me the lesson not to be afraid. You know, uh, yeah. I, I didn't feel fear in that moment. I didn't feel afraid, uh, and it probably <laughs> my dad will probably disagree because he had to pay for it. But it, it was probably you know one of the best things that could have happened because I immediately realised right, forget about that. You know, forget about what happened there. You know, it, it was something that you know the majority of rally drivers go through their career and it never happens to them. In fact, you know, 99% of the, of the rally drivers go through their career and don't have something like that happen to them. So, you know, it's happened, you know, it's happened. Uh, the chances of it ever happening again are so slim. Mm. You just need to try and get back, get back on it. And, you know, it was uh, the next rally I did. We, I think we won it in, in, uh, in Alsace. So it was, yeah, it was all, all good again after that. Yeah, and that relationship with with Paul kind of started then and took a little bit of a break. Obviously, you know, we've seen kind of swapping round of co-drivers as you do. You know, you've you had well, Elvin had Jaff, then you stole Jaff from Elvin. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> then you had Paul, then you've had Scott, now Elvin has got Scott, now you're back with Paul after Chris. So, you know, it kind of moves around, doesn't it, with um with, with co-drivers. But you you've been very lucky with the people that you've had alongside you in your career. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Paul, uh, I think it was at the end of, was it the end of that year? I think Paul went to exactly. Andreas, or was it the no? It was the following year? No, it was the following year. It was with with Andreas. I think he stayed. Yeah, he stayed at me for for a little bit more into the into the Porsche uh, season I did with ERC. But then he went. Uh, he went back with Andreas. I can still remember. I can still remember sat on the stairs that night when he called me. And trying to keep my lips straight and go, no, no, that's fine, Paul. Yeah, that, 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 that's okay, Paul. I wish you all the best with that. <laughs> trying to keep my lip, trying to keep my lip from jumping. And then I put down the phone and I remember bawling like a three-year-old because I knew, <clears throat> I knew uh, I, when Paul hears that, I hope he cries himself. I hope he feels bad uh, because uh, I, I, I felt really that you know we had something great going on. But obviously at that moment, you know, Paul had, had, a, had an amazing opportunity to go with uh, with, with Volkswagen and with Andreas. Yeah. So you know, I won't, I won't hold him to that. Uh, publicly anyway so. <laughs> but uh, yeah obviously then I, I had uh, I had Scotty uh, in, in the car from, uh, from from the end of end of 2013 uh, started 2014 
and uh, yeah, obviously that was a you know a great start of a great relationship that we had that we had together. Um, and uh, yeah, we we shared a lot. We grew up a lot in those those couple of years. We did a lot of rallies, uh, a lot of difficult programs. Obviously, those years with Porsche were very very tough. Um, but yeah, we enjoyed some. Enjoyed some great rallies. Uh, Scotty enjoyed some great parties. I enjoyed some great. I, I enjoyed some great moment, mornings trying to get him woken up for the airport. And in the end, we were all happy with it. <laughs> I have to be honest. In in all of my days and in all of my after rally parties, Scott. Yes, Scott. Well, yeah, I've seen Scott enjoy himself a number of times and I've enjoyed myself with Scott on the dance floor at the bar whatever a number of times but you have not really seen kind of apart from once in West Cork rally a few years ago we threw some shapes on the dance floor that night that that was a good we threw some shapes. That, we, that was a good night that was a good night indeed <laughs> but it's important to have that kind of downtime as well isn't it you know it's all serious it's business in the car before the event but after the event, you have to be able to let loose and enjoy yourself because it's you know it's days of, of full-on concentration and yeah, fly by the seat of your pants stuff. You need, you need you need to be able to relax. Yeah, and I think Scotty used to put in so much work. Uh, insofar as he he used to rewrite, and still does to this day when he does the recce, he rewrites completely the rally. Uh, you know, from 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 start again. So he finishes the recce in, in the evening times. Um, and like he's straight into the room, he works until stupid o'clock at night, uh, gets his, you know, food order to the room, eats, you know, as he's doing the notes again, he's up, at, you know, crack it on the following day again, even, you know, the mornings of the rally, he's rewriting the notes and he's, he's so busy, uh, you know, for all the week um, and all the preparation that goes with it beforehand, he, he, he really, really does a lot. So I think when the rally is finished, he's like, oh my God, you know, this time is now my time, you know, I, I can do what I want, I don't have to do anything. And uh, you know he make he makes up for it, so he's he he was well entitled for it, and you know even all those mornings, and I don't mind saying it that I had to uh, gather him up, and uh, and get him into a taxi or bar him into somewhere to get to an airport. You know it was uh, it was uh, you know he 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 deserved it to be fair because he uh, he put in so much effort. Talk to me about the the days of the World Rally Team with Citroen in a World Rally car in the World Championship. What was that like, knowing that you were going to be competing at the upper echelon of rallying with, you know, heroes essentially all around you, your peers, but your heroes as well? What was that like as a driver to, to head into the championship, knowing that you're in a world rally car, you're now essentially at where you want to be, all you got to do, easy, just prove yourself now. <laughs> easy said than done. What was that like then? Yeah. Easier said than done. Um, it was quite daunting, honestly. And, and uh, the, the couple of years before I'd done with Porjo uh, in the European Championship hadn't really given me so much confidence. Uh, the results had been, excuse me, far from what, what any of us wanted. Uh, and I think it's fair to say that the car had kind of let the side down a little. So my confidence was, was in tatters, I think, starting, uh, starting the season with, uh, with the Abu Dhabi team back then, 2016. Yeah. But honestly, honestly, uh, getting into the car for the first time for Sweden, it just felt so, so good to have a car that was working exactly how I wanted it. It felt uh, amazing. I really felt like, like I could fly. Because to be fair, in, in the years at Porsche, I did feel that you know myself and Scotty as a pair had improved a lot. I felt as me as a driver, I had improved a lot. But there were so many things that were holding us back. So I felt that... Now, finally, you know, our progression over the last couple of years could actually be seen, you know, properly and, and publicly, more importantly. Um, 
and yeah, that that showed, you know, just those three rallies in. We had that uh, amazing weekend in, uh, in in Finland that still uh, still seems crazy to this day, you know. And uh, and and being able to get on the podium was uh, was something really really special, and that that unlocked so much into the future of uh, of of our career. So it was uh, yeah, an an amazing time. Yeah. What was it like being around? You know, you you're competing against the likes of you know, your champions with, with Sebastian Ogier, but it's a great group of people and a, an array of talent in the World Championship. What was it like being around those drivers, being able to chat with them, share stories, share anything? Was, was that the case with, with people or did you find some drivers a little bit closed off, not willing to share things, not willing to chat, or is it all quite friendly? You can be honest here, Craig. <laughs> no, it's all, it's all very friendly. I, I, I think honestly, because our sport is is different to other motorsports, and so far as we're not, you know, on a track, you know, you know, door to door racing each other, and I guess the element of danger as well that we all sort of tend to look after each other. And we all tend to, you know, okay, we get our race faces on, and you know, we can say things in the heat at the moment, but at the end of the day, we all love the sport. We we love what it's all about, and uh, you know it's it's a it's a quite a unique bunch of uh, of guys and girls that are in it. So um, I've always got on with everyone around me. Uh, I have to say it, it did feel surreal when I did finally make it into a world rally car in, in a factory team and to be rubbing shoulders with uh, essentially idols. Um, and you know, quite daunting at times when you do you know lock yourself into a battle with them and you're having to think, oh my god, oh my god, you know, <laughs> this isn't happening right now. I have to just I have to just try and, and do do my job. This isn't PlayStation. Uh, so yeah, it it, it was uh, it was uh, it was a bit daunting at the start, but you know, ultimately you just have to try and appreciate it. And, and uh, you know, you've you've earned it. We've earned it. You know, you're one of the chosen uh, selected few to get a to get a factory drive in the World Championship. You're as entitled to it as you know any, any of the rest of the people that are here, and I just try to enjoy it as, as much as I can. But I have to say the the podium in Finland, uh, you know, standing up there was was incredible. Obviously, Chris and Paul, you know, they're they're friends. So to, first of all, to be on the podium with them was was a nice feeling. But obviously, to have Yari there as well, you know, having won the rally so many times, uh, you know, been such a a big character in in uh, in rallying, you know, to be stood there on the podium with him. Uh, that was something uh, quite quite surreal, I have to say, and and uh, it was one of those moments where I felt, you know, things are starting to go finally our way. Now, you know, you're you're quite a humble guy. You like your cup of tea. You're pretty grounded. But do, did you feel that at any point your personality changed a little bit when you got to that level? Did you? I mean, I I can't say I noticed it, but did you at any point take things for granted? Did any one of your back you know your family and, and the backroom people did any of them ever say to you look you're starting to come a little bit too big for your boots here remember where you've come from was there any point where that happened to you because it easily does to to all of us in whatever field did it happen with you honestly i don't think so uh because for me i i, I love everything about it so much i feel so passionate about the sport that any time that I was I was given an opportunity to drive a rally car, it was to me it was something really really amazing. I tried to grab it with both hands. The the years, the latter years with Citroen, um, I won't say that I, I took it for granted, but um, it was difficult to find the motivation sometimes to really you know dig deep and to really take the risks that were necessary to to fight at the front. And hmm. um, obviously you know and, and uh, I don't ever want to speak you know 
ill of of uh, of the people, especially that were involved in the program at, at Citroen and everyone that was involved in it, because you know they were great people to work with. Ultimately, they gave me my chance, you know, to 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 be at the top of the world championship. But it was clear that you know there was some some issues with the car, and and um, I, I think for a junior driver like me who was who was still learning the ropes, still trying to you know figure out a lot, a lot of the things to do it in a car that is some some quite public issues uh was was difficult and i started to to lose a bit the motivation and and, and uh, you know that you know really sticking your neck out on the line because even if you stuck your neck properly out on the line you might get one or two stages but then ultimately you could make a mistake quite easy so i, I don't think my attitude changed or i don't think the humbleness if that's a word went away uh but i i did start to lose the to lose the spark inside because I, I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, it was getting towards the second, uh, the end of the second year of working with the car. It didn't feel like it was getting better. Uh, and I think it was equally as frustrating for everybody involved in the program, you know, not as if people, you know, gave up on it and didn't want to, to do anything with it. The people there were motivated. They wanted to make it work, but ultimately uh, it just, uh, it just wasn't to be. So um, my attitude, uh, Obviously, perhaps didn't change, but I, I do think I lost I lost a bit of that uh, that spark inside, and, and I think the enjoyment went out of it. And for me, you know, my rallying is is ultimately about enjoying it. It's the most amazing, you know, spectacle, the most amazing sport. You know, the feeling of being inside in the car. So, if I don't enjoy it, you know, I, I think for sure there's a couple of percent knocks off off, off my performance. So, I definitely think that was uh, that was something that uh, that happened in those years. And I think. Yeah, one thing I loved over over the past few years certainly was watching you rally in Ireland, rally at home, compete in the Irish Tarmac Championship, and really enjoy <laughs> that year. And that's where you know you you saw maybe a bit of Craig who'd lost his spark previously. That spark really came back, and you were into your own then. That was an incredible year, rallying at home. Yeah, some incredible memories from that year in, in 19. Uh, it was just a year of transition. Um, obviously, you know, myself and Paul had lost the contracts with Citroen. We had nothing in, in the World Championship for, for, for 2019. And I can remember just as a bit of therapy, first of all. I, uh, I'd i never, and I guess this, is, this might sound strange, but I was always fortunate enough to have, you know, contracts or, or sponsors or, or honestly family money to be able to pay and, and, and go and do my rallies. But, I'd never have to go knocking on doors to try and put a program together. So I said, I'm going to go and see if I can get money together to go and do Galway. Um, so this was early January and I set off and started knocking on doors and said, look, I wouldn't mind doing the rally. And, you know, just to, I need a bit of positive energy. I want to go and, uh, you know, especially work with Tom again, uh, with Tom mm -hmm. Gahan and, and the guys. I wanted, I wanted to go into that again because I knew that was my happy place. That was the last place I really remember where everything was positive and good. And I set off, and we managed to to get all the all the money together, and, and did the first round. Obviously, had a you know a complete ball. We loved it so much, and that just rolled into the next one and the next one, and it just the, the positivity just kept on coming with every rally. And then obviously other rallies came on the back of that. Uh, you know, going to Ypres, doing the Italian Championship, uh, and before we knew it, we were you know on, on the start line of the first stage in Finland. You know back you know on, on on top of the world again so yeah. it was uh it was honestly that that doing that irish championship really unlocked uh, a new level i guess for myself and paul and just calmness and 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 getting the enjoyment in the in the driving again which is something that we we both absolutely lost in in, uh, in those uh, couple of years before yeah and you know kind of 
in a way, it, from, a, from a very basic level, it was a move away from the, the big powerhouse manufacturers in the WRC service park. The, the we look after you, we'll cater for your every need. And I know that your every need in terms of food, Craig Green, is pretty basic. Something I discovered over the years. You don't like fancy food at all. In fact, you don't like practically any food, it seems. It has to be very, very basic. I remember coming into a Citroen service area one day, sitting alongside you, getting ready for an interview, and you would say, I'm going to eat, but chat to me in five minutes. We'll just have a little conversation while I eat. And lovely Will, who was the chef there, came out and said to you, oh, well. <laughs> would you like some risotto? And you went, like, yeah, yeah, I'd love some risotto. And I thought, well, blimey, he's changed his tack. Normally he's chicken chicken breast with nothing on it chips steak with nothing on it chips that's the kind i'm thinking risotto and then will brings it out puts it in front of you and you look at it and you look at me and you're like what's that <laughs> <laughs> risotto craig and you're like can't eat that can't eat that you're a very plain food man but going back to the point i made the, the irish tarmac championship you know you you're back to, you know, kind of open air servicing. You're not covered, mechanics aren't covered under this. It is not the absolute, you know, luxury that you had. Although the lovely James, who's looking after you, had an incredible motorhome, which, you know, I had a couple of hot whiskies in over the course of a few rallies. So you were looked after. He used to make your food, but a different kind, a different vibe, kind of going back to a bit of old school rallying. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I really, really loved it. Um, you know, even just working with with all the mechanics, with Tom again. Uh, you know, we'd uh, we'd all set off together. Uh, we'd be staying in the same hotel, and you know, we'd all eat together in the evening times. Excuse me, and uh, it's a couple of my friends were were working on the car. Uh, and, you know, another friend would tow the car down to the rally, and and uh, we'd all stay together. And he'd land in the service, and you know, the catering was basically a table with a sliced pan, a packet of ham, and a tub of butter. And then the kettle was there if you want a cup of tea. That that's it. And it worked, you know, and it was fine. And, you know, you'd, you'd, uh, you'd stroll around with your sandwich and you'd, you know, you'd chat to, you know, the people that were there. And, you know, I even bumped, bumped into people that I hadn't seen since I was competing in, in the, in the Tarmac Championship, which would have been, you know, nigh on 10 years before that. So, um, an amazing season with, uh, with just amazing people as well. And <clears throat> the camaraderie between us all and, and the competition, you know, apart from anything else, the speed of them was, you know, the, the pace of the guys at the front of the championship was something really to behold. And, uh, it really kept kept us sharp, but uh, honestly, for me, it was just just such a pleasure and, and a breath of fresh air. There was no pressure on any of the rallies. You know, I never remember sitting the start line of, of, uh, of you know the first stage of any of the rallies and you know being nervous and thinking you know you know what's going to happen or you know this rally is important or the results. It was just about you know driving the road that was in front of you, and enjoying it, and if the time was good at the end of the stage, you know even better. And uh, that was exactly and just what the doctor ordered at that moment. You mentioned finding sponsors, finding your own sponsors, finding your own money to be able to, to compete at Galway. And, you, you know, you talked about you, you've, you've, you've had sponsorship in the past. You've had prize fund money. You've had the family money as well. Looking back, I, you know, and I remember seeing bits on social media where people would go, oh, you know, his, his family are just paying for that. He's, he's got a lot of money. You know, it, it, Craig Green's got it easy kind of thing. Did that affect you seeing those kind of comments at all? Did you think I, I need to prove myself? To these people, or did that not bother you? I did at, at the start. It really did, yeah. Uh, to be honest, and and uh, and yeah, I, I had incredible opportunities that I know very very well that if other people had had the, the this you know the same opportunities would uh, would have have done the same maybe better. I I I don't know, and that is it. It is 
you know, a, a poison chalice sometimes, you know, that you are given these opportunities, you know, they're, they're amazing. But on the back of it, you know, there's a lot of envy and there's a lot of, you know, jealousy. And, and I understand that, you know, if I was, if I was in the position of some of the other, you know, guys and girls that, that, that couldn't afford to do it properly, knowing that, you know, I have the talent, knowing in, in my heart and soul that I could do, you know, what these people are doing on the TV, it would eat me alive. You know, I mightn't, I mightn't say it publicly, you know, I mightn't, uh, you know, go, go to the forums and, and start slating around. But I do, I do really understand if you're someone as passionate as I am uh, and, and not getting the opportunities, then it's, it's, a, it's a tough, horrible sport at the end of the day. You know, we can't, it's not like football or, or, or soccer or hurling or whatever. You know, you can't just go into the garden and practice it. You know, someone spots you and says, oh, that, you know, that guy's pretty good at it and you get your chances and move up, up the ladder. You know, you have to have so much resources and so much uh, opportunities to to get there. And you know, unfortunately, that's that's this sport. It's it's just not as fair and not as as uh, as even as some of the other ones. But um, ultimately, I'm extremely fortunate. I'm extremely humble. I know that you know uh, the opportunities that were presented to me are not presented to a lot of people. And um, I will forever remain humble and, and grateful to to my family and, and all the supporters and everyone that that was able, that was there and able to enable me to, to to give this thing a fair shot. But at the end of the day, I think I've 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 given the best I, I can. I think I've you know for the the efforts that they put in and the resources that they put in. I'd like to think, <laughs> perhaps financially, I haven't repaid them, but I think morally, I've repaid them for for what they what they've done. So, uh, you know, we've. Uh, I feel, you know, now much better about it. Yeah, and, you know, your family's travelled around the world with you. It's always a joy to see your parents at event, and they're always so excited, so excited, and they're following you everywhere. It, it's brilliant to see that that energy. It kind of, you know, it gives you energy when you're, when you're watching them and hearing your mum talk about you is... Is, is something special. And talking about that, I'm going to refer back to your mum's text now and drag up one of her other stories. Being oh, a no. driver... <laughs> you would think that you know it's all about speed is an exhilaration you've got to have this incredible confidence to, to do the things that you do behind the wheel and I would think that you know you're an adrenaline junkie that's what you love that's what you do and then your parents take you to Disney World and your favourite ride was Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Mr. Toad's Ride. Wild ride. <laughs> <laughs> Which apparently they still wind you up about to this day. Tell me about Mr. Toad's Wild Ride when you were little, Mr. Breen. We went to Florida in 96. Uh, God, that's a long time ago now. Um, with the next door neighbours, three weeks in Florida. And I remember again... A bit like the a bit like the stage in stage in interviews at the with the pedal carts around the house at the end of the holiday um, to make a bit of a joke of us really my, my parents sat us all down individually uh, and interviewed us and said okay what well, you know how would you rate the holiday what was what was your highlight uh, if you were to pick out one ride of all the theme parks that you went to which would be your favourite one and if you were to mark this one out of ten what would marks would you give it but like all of us kids at the time I would have been the youngest I would think yeah I was the youngest. So deadly serious, you know. I, we went to the Epcot Center, and I give that one eight out of ten. And but like I remember, mine, uh, my one was Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, which was which was essentially nothing. It was just a little tour inside around on, on a, a track, and and uh, Mr. Mr. Toad is like a, is like a Roald Dahl book or something, or or it's Mr. Toad. It's it's from one of it's 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 from one of those cartoony um, okay. 
like Cinderella or something like that. But anyway, it was a thing of nothing. Like we went on roller coasters, proper roller coasters, spinning upside down and, and whatnot. But I somewhat uh, was left impressed by Mr. Toad's wild ride. <laughs> I have no idea why. <laughs> Which doesn't sound very wild at all, but wild as in no, naked, not wild at all. I'm thinking, rather than wild. Exactly. Yeah. Wild. <laughs> I like, exactly. I like yeah, the yeah. story that your mum sent. Um, she says, for your sixth, sixth birthday, you wanted to go to an indoor cart track, but you were too small for the go-kart, so they fastened a transponder onto a pedal <sighs> cart and let you do laps and, <laughs> and produce a checkered flag when you were exhausted so you kind of you were on that track for quite some time then yeah there's a video of that as well i wrote that one out for you yeah it was uh, it was from from my uh from my birthday uh and yeah the disappointment of, of not being able to go on the cart when i got there was was obviously pretty hard but my dad went back home and got uh, my little cat car i can remember at the time the same one that i rallied by the way so my rally car came to the <laughs> came to the came to the track and uh yeah i pedaled my heart out god i was i'd say i was close to have a heart attack you know it was a proper full-length car track for the petrol you know go-karts and uh, I took off and started pedaling and pedaling and pedaling. And then at one point, they put a little transponder on the back so I could time myself going around. And uh, Yeah, at, at some point, I think they realized this kid's going to wear himself out, you know, by the time he's, uh, he's finished. So they gave me the checkered flag, you know, deadly serious. I came in, you know, where's my time? Have you got my time? You know, how did I compare to the others? And, uh, you know, scrutinized the times and then requested that I should be put on the podium. And I was put on the podium, given a trophy, albeit I was the, the only person in the race. Uh, but, yeah. But again, that's that's you know how good my parents were as well back you know back in the day. They they just they knew that I was a petrol head. They knew that I loved everything about speed and carts and and whatnot. And and they they do everything to you know to make me feel uh, make me feel that bit uh, that bit more important. Uh, there's God. lots of little stories here um, about your dad calling pace notes out for you when you were playing Colin McRae Rally. <laughs> Very detailed pace notes. Very, very detailed. Yeah, yeah. I can remember. I can still remember that. There's all videos of that. I, I, I tell you one oh, thing. I can't wait because uh, we're, some... we're going to make a compilation of this. This is going to be the life of Craig Breen. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. I can't wait. I'm going to be the narrator. <laughs> this is going to be. volunteered a... already. You need to dig out all of this stuff. This is gold. Yeah, get your parents on yeah, no, there's some really, really, to be fair, my mom uh, had, you know, the video camera in her hand pretty much all the time, everything, something was happening, you know, she was stood there with the, with the handicam always, I can still, I can still uh, picture her using it, so, uh, you know, at the time it felt, it felt strange, but, you know, every, every uh, couple of months when I get back home to Ireland now, uh, she's got them all uh, transferred onto DVD now, and I, and I, uh, She's got a little. She's got a little book, and she's got them all detailed out in the library. You know which. You know which uh, tape has which on it, and, and whatnot. And we uh, we play one. So there's. I'm so grateful for it now because there's some amazing, amazing stuff on it. Uh, yeah, I bet. Yeah, it'll make it'll it'll make the DVD worthwhile whenever whenever we get to making it. <laughs> so you have been in the co-driving seat as well, because we talked about a little bit. Your you know your dad being a competitor, and you know many fans of the Metro Six R Four will will know. Um, that he has that car and it's a beautiful car and you've driven it, but you've also co-driven your dad in that car as well. Now, I've got to be honest, Craig, I can't imagine you as a co-driver because you like to be in control. <laughs> I, how yeah. was that experience co-driving your dad? Yeah, difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
before before I started driving myself in Ireland, I, I co-drove for my dad uh, in 2008. Actually, the start of the season 2008, he did the gravel championship in Ireland, which he, he went on to win that year. Um, and I, I enjoyed it then because that was before I'd started to drive myself. Uh, so I didn't really know what it felt like to be in control of a rally car as such. Uh, you know, I just like to be, obviously it was a focus, uh, focus world rally car. So it was a nice car to be in. Oh. Enjoyed it. We won, I think we won two two or three of the rallies that, that we did. And it was all very good and, and a great a great buzz. But then uh, I didn't co-drive. Obviously, when I started driving myself, I hadn't co-drove again. I'd done a couple of tests, you know, given tuition and, and whatnot. But I had done nothing then on, up until 2019. Uh, the, the 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 year that uh, the year that I was doing the Tarmac Championship, and our local gravel rally was on uh, the I think it was the end of January, and I had been given in the news in Australia at the end of the season that, that I wouldn't have a contract for for 2019, so I stayed. Obviously, Kelly, my sister, lives in Perth, so I stayed there until I think it was the, the day before the rally or two days before the rally, uh, and then flew flew home from you know 35 degrees in Perth. Uh, you know, then landing back into Dublin again with no contract, absolutely, you know, pissing rain, five degrees, uh, this horrible, grey, dull sky, I remember, and uh, my dad wanted me to, to co-drive uh, for him in, in the rally, and he hadn't done a rally for a few years, for quite a number of years either, so we did the, we did our local gravel rally, uh, in a, in a fiesta, it was in a Fiesta, Fiesta R5, and I absolutely hated it, I was petrified from the minute the car started up in, on, on the, in park for me in the morning, until when he, when he parked it, when we parked back into into park for me that night, switched the car off, and I told him, I said, never, ever again in my life will I ever co-drive for anybody. It was horrible, and honestly, I, th I think he felt it as well. He, he knew that I was nervous all the time. Mm. Uh, the car was left-hand drive. He'd never rallied with a left-hand drive car before, and it's fair to say he got a bit confused. Or he, a couple of times he would uh, he would start to make his way into the ditches, and I'd have to say, you know. <laughs> <laughs> to me, to me, to you, to you, to me, to me. So uh, it was. Uh, but anyway, we finished. We got our own, and uh, it was it was nice to spend the day together with them. But uh, it was, uh, yeah, my heart is in my mouth basically from from start to finish. So my co-driving career is now finished. Yeah, well, I'm I'm pleased about that. I'm pleased about that. I'm glad you know that we see you behind the wheel, and we do see you behind the wheel in the World Championship right now, which is which is great with Hyundai. What's it like being part of of that team? Because it's it's quite an exuberant team now with Andrea Adamo at the head of it. And it feels like it's a team that's got so much momentum at the moment. Great drivers, great atmosphere there. What's it like to be part of? Yeah, I have to say, I really do feel at home there. Uh, exuberant is one way to, to, to describe our Andrea. He's a special one. <laughs> yes. he, uh, but, but I have to say, you know, he does give us all a lot of motivation. Uh, it's um it's a good place to be in you know uh, positive vibes as the kids say nowadays uh, and I, I do feel uh, I do feel like it's home I enjoy it uh, obviously the results have been great also in the last last couple of events and uh, yeah I'm, I'm happy with my surroundings I, I feel like uh, you know both myself and Paul are, are at a you know a really high level uh, I personally feel I'm, I'm at the, the top of my game uh, I now finally have all the tools around me to, to, to do uh, you know how I feel, a bit like how I felt in 2016 when I had the DS3, uh, you know, jumping from from uh, from the years at Porto. I, I feel like I have the package around me to to deliver what I can uh, what, what I can give. So, um, yeah, it's it's a good moment right now in my career, and and uh, you know, it's it's amazing to look back, you know, to to, to the start ramp and air square air square and Galway, you know, a few years ago. I would have never imagined that we could have you know turned it around and managed to get back 
into you know as near as be damned a, a full time drive in, in the world championship. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's a nice uh, nice feeling at the moment. How many are we going to see you compete on this year? Do we know? Honestly, yet? I don't know. Don't know. Yeah, honestly, honestly, it, it I don't a, know. It is a bit. Uh, well, it's it is like that, isn't it? We saw that last year with, with the team. They kind of announced a couple of weeks before who is going to be where here, and it's just a case of of getting prepared for that. But you're obviously obviously doing little rallies in between, which you which you've just done another weekend, and that that's the beauty of of being with the team because you have the world rally car, you have the rally two car as well, the old R five as we like to call it. Um, so you know you have the ability to 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 be competing a lot but within the same brand yeah exactly you know it's great and <clears throat> to be honest with you I, I just love driving I, I love doing rallies I, I even love doing the smaller national events you know if they want to send me to Botswana and do a, you know, a little rally over there I'll have, I'm happy to jump on a plane and go and do it and and, uh, and enjoy it you know I, I just love the adventure of rallying I love you know just seeing new places meeting new people and that really suits, uh, you know, the atmosphere there at the moment. And obviously, you know, the, the pinnacle of the whole thing is doing the World Championship and trying to get the best results possible. But uh, the whole package at the moment is something that really, really motivates me, and uh, I just, I just enjoy it. Yeah. yeah, Rally Barbados is is desperate for you to go out there and compete. I think you should be aiming there with, with Dad as well, Ray Breen, Craig Breen, competing against each other. Now that will be some sight, I think. But there's only one metro, though. You see, we can't split it in half. And I want yeah, to drive, he, and I he would have sure to have equally want to drive. He would have to have the metro. I'm sorry, <laughs> mate. I'm sorry. You sold your soul. <laughs> He's got to have the metro, <laughs> definitely. Uh, give yeah. me a little bit of an insight yeah, then as, as to what is going on at home right now. We, we've talked about the career. You're in, as you said, you're in Italy, Lake Como, which is a, a beautiful place. What What does Craig Green do to, to chill out? What are you getting up to when you're at home? What are the hobbies? What are the pastimes other than you know, playing on computer games, <laughs> on rally games, <laughs> other than like, that. Like, like, like the rest of my teenage friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, uh, in, more recently, in the last year or two, I've, I've, I've actually started to dabble a bit more karting again. Um, when I finished my, my karting career, I, I felt like I had a bit more to give. Uh, and, uh, you know, even for all the years that I've been out of it, I, I always felt, I missed out on, on winning any of the big titles in, in karting. So I've actually been doing quite a lot of it in the last last year or two. Uh, I've been uh, working with a team here in, in, in Italy, uh, close to uh, close to Lake Garda. Uh, and I do have some aspirations when it will allow uh, to, to go back and do some European and World Championship stuff in, in, uh, in karts again. So that's taken a lot of work. I am very much the older lemon of uh, the elder lemon of all the, all the karting people now. So I do have to work that little bit harder to, to try and make it work. But uh, this winter, we made really, really a lot of progress. Um, ultimately, obviously, the calendar is the rally calendar makes it difficult for me to, to, to give it the, the time that it needs. But it's a project that I'm using as a hobby, but it's also in, incredible training as well. It's the most difficult and most tough physical sport that, uh, that, that I've ever come across anyway. So I just love to do it to keep fit. And, you know, the time that I spend here in Italy, I... I uh, I also try and coincide it with working with the team there as well and, and, and doing some, some testing. And yeah, apart from that, obviously, yeah, I have a home in, in, in Andorra. I've been there now for, for three three or four years and it kind of split my time between uh, between here and there. Don't get back to Ireland as much as, as I would like, obviously, with, with these COVID times as well. It's it's a little bit more tricky, but um, 
yeah, keep them busy. Definitely keep them busy in in, uh, in these last couple of last couple of years. What happened during the the first lockdown, which is you know almost a year ago now, when we all kind of trundled back from from Mexico and everything was plunged into lockdown? You were back home then. Were you back in Ireland for that? So you were back with mum and dad, and lockdown. How was that? It, it was random, I have to say. I I came back for uh, for West Cork. Uh, I was supposed to be doing West Cork with Hyundai. Uh, we had the test car over and the test team. Uh, Tom was to run the car. We did two days of testing. And then on, just as we finished the, the second day of testing, the rally was cancelled. So, uh, And then I remember I drove back home, uh, back to the, my home place, in, uh, parents' home place in Waterford, and kind of closed the door. I said, right, I'll go on to Skyscanner and I'll start looking at flights. And then I started to start to look. I said, okay, there's no flights tomorrow. I looked the next day. There's no flights the next day. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, the real reality of, oh, um, <laughs> I think I'm stuck here. Uh, so at the start, I was like, look, I'll, I'll, I'll wait it out for a week. And, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll see if I can get a flight back to back to Barcelona to get back to Andorra the week after. Mm. And then the weeks just obviously, you know, kept on going by. The, you know, the situation got worse. Uh, and I was there. So that was that was today. What day is today? Yeah, it was today, one year ago, exactly. Uh, yeah. that, 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 that the test that the test was on. Um and I ended up staying there from yeah the beginning of March or the second week of March until June I think, uh yeah living in, in my parents' house so that was uh that was interesting I have to say been there the food was amazing I missed I'd missed it for all those years I was away I was uh, of I put on quite a few I, I put on quite a few kilos in the first couple of weeks I didn't I didn't train for maybe a week or ten days at the start but I started to very much go out the way okay need to shape up here so uh, I I in the end uh, yeah it was. It was nice to spend a bit of time with with, uh, with my family again. Obviously, between all the travelling and, and and everything over the last couple of years, I only get to see them normally during the events. And you know, well, during the events, it's very difficult to spend normal time and talk about normal things. Sit down on the sofa with a cup of tea and 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 uh, really, you know, talk about you know how the cousins are doing and how you know this person is doing or just normal things. In the rally, you're talking about rally stuff, maybe a little bit of of uh, everyday stuff. And it was just nice to have that time with my mum and dad, and uh, then. I think it was the end of May, yeah, the beginning of June. Eventually, I had to go out in the truck. I had to go with uh, my good friend Wax, uh, Dad, in, in in the truck uh, out from uh, out from the harbour in Rosslare, and and, uh, and got a truck across to Italy. I was starting the test program with MRF then. That was me back in the on the bandwagon again. But it was nice. Those couple of months were nice at home. I, have to say. I do remember seeing you in Italy, thinking, "How has he got there? <laughs> how has he got there?" <laughs> and that is how you got there on a truck, on a boat. <laughs> Yeah, that was the only way. Dublin Airport was pretty much shut down at that at that uh, that time, so incredible to believe it. But yeah, that was how, how I got out there in a in a, in a truck, and and uh, yeah, it was from from that point then I haven't really stopped. It's been so busy because you know even you know Christmas time last year, you know it was just so strange because the season finished so late and then preparation started obviously very early into the, into the year. So from that moment on, it's been it's been sort of non-stop really. Yeah, but uh, great to be part of the team. Great to have the opportunity to to still be showing exactly what you can do. And you're still so young in your career right now that it, it's it's still exciting to see what you're going to produce moving forward. Are you feeling still pressure on your shoulders or not anymore? Uh, yeah, ultimately I am. And obviously the, the way my contracts have been for the last number of years, I, I haven't had a contract that you know gives me uh, you know two or three years of you know looking into the future it's normally rally by rally mm. okay this year is the first year in a couple of years that I actually have a you know a contract for the full season albeit I don't know what events I do uh, that does bring uh, you know a lot more comfort but 
I would love to get myself into position of getting a two-year contract again. Uh, something that I had, you know, when I was back with Citroen. I think it's it must feel so different for the other guys uh, to, to have that confidence of knowing, uh, you know, this next event it could be the last one. Not you know, not having that feeling in, in their belly. And of course, it does impact your your frame of mind starting the event. You know, you're very much concerned about making a mistake or, or you know doing something wrong. So. Um, I do feel that I have a lot more to deliver. Myself and Paul have a lot more to deliver. And uh, I think with a bit more time in the car, obviously with six months you know, out of the car between Estonia and, and Arctic Rally, I think with a bit more time in the car, we can, uh, we can really deliver, deliver uh, bigger and better results. So I definitely feel on top of my game right now and you know, as motivated as ever. Last couple of questions, and before I let you go, let's just quickly talk about the Arctic Rally and the, the pre-event stuff that you did, because you talk about karting. Did, did you do some ice karting? In yeah, I did. <laughs> you know, I did see some images. I wasn't sure if you had done it or not. And that whole Santa's Village thing. I mean, it, I can imagine going there as a child. It would be so incredible, because even as an adult seeing it, it blowed me, completely blew me away. But what was, what was that whole experience like with the reindeer and the ice karting? Santa. I know it was just like a big white fluffy Disneyland. It was amazing. It was, uh, <laughs> it was uh, something that I've always wanted to see. Okay, at, at, at the ripe old age of thirty-one, probably a bit late. Uh, but you've always obviously heard all the stories about Lapland and and uh, uh, a lot of a lot of my friends bringing the have brought their children there to see it and whatnot. And and I've I've heard so much about it, but it was really really amazing to see it. We had the a really nice media day, the, the Monday or Tuesday, Monday I think before before the rally, it was really well organised. I think we got in the full sort of Arctic experience in in a, in a couple of hours. So, um, an amazing infrastructure there, and obviously to meet to meet the Santa Claus at the at the North Pole was uh, was something uh, was something amazing. Uh, but yeah, the whole setup there is really you know really really impressive. Uh, it does feel so genuine, so authentic, and and. Uh, yeah, I'd love to go back there. Uh, obviously, to do the rally as well would be nice. But even in another another spirit, just to, to take in the take in the whole Santa experience. Obviously, with COVID now, it's a little little bit different. Uh, there's some things that uh, are not quite like normal. But you know, hopefully, uh, in, the, in the future, I'd definitely love to go back and, and see it again. I'm preparing now then for the for the next event that we have. You are doing Croatia, aren't you? Depends. <laughs> Depends. I'm I'm pre I'm preparing for it. Let's uh, let, okay. let's say let's say it like that. But I don't think anything uh, anything official has been confirmed yet. But uh, yeah, let's see. Let's see what happens in, in the in the next couple of weeks. And what do you know about Croatia if you're competing there or if you're not competing there? Because obviously, you know, it's it's a brand new event for everybody going there. What what knowledge do you have of Croatia and the roads? Not so much. Uh, I've seen some videos. Uh, I've seen some some information about the stages there. And honestly, I, I like what I see because um, it looks quite narrow. Uh, a lot of flying crests. It's a bit bumpy, uh, a little bit slippy. So just sounds a little bit like back home, really. So I'm 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 really interested to see what the actual event is going to be like. Uh, obviously, you know, tarmac rallying is is very much close to my heart. Uh, I, I really think tarmac is the ultimate challenge in in a rally car. Don't get me wrong, there's some amazing events on gravel and snow and whatnot. But for me, the, the feeling of driving a, a car on tarmac at the limit is is something so impressive. So, um, yeah, I'm curious. And obviously a new event for everybody. No one really knows what the, what the, the, the stages are going to be like. No one's going to have pace notes. No one's going to have any experience. So, uh, yeah, it's going, to be, it's going to be a big challenge, I think. Yeah. 
It is going to be a big challenge. I think they would have thrown you out of Ireland if you'd said that any other rally bar tarmac rally was your, was your favourite, to be honest. Your passport would have been dirt, mate, if you'd said gravel's actually my favourite, or snow. <laughs> <laughs> that that yeah, would have been the end, exactly. of you, the end of you. Well, Craig, it's been lovely chatting to you. It really has. It's been nearly, nearly two hours. <laughs> Sorry for keeping you has so it? Well, yeah. Oh God. Almost. Yeah, we're only about 20 minutes away from two hours. It doesn't be like that. It's been lovely chatting to you. Have a lovely day at uh, Lake Como, and hopefully I'll see you soon. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody without masks soon, hopefully. Um, COVID needs to do one now, doesn't it? We've had enough. Everyone's had enough. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah, it's starting to be a bit monotonous. Mon mon monotonous? That's a word, isn't it? Monotonous. <laughs> it is monotonous. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a word. Yeah, monotonous. Big word on a Wednesday. I, I know. I just I just, I just close my close my close my dictionary here and put it put it away. <laughs> but um, no, it is. I have to say, and, and you know, I'm I'm a big hugger. Uh, you know, I, I I like my hugs. I like being you know, getting around and seeing everybody. And it's, it's, it's not nice, uh, you know, and I really, really do hope that things get back to some bit of normality soon. Um, and obviously, uh, back home as well, you know, there hasn't, it's now a full year since, uh, since a rally car has run in, 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 uh, in competition in Ireland. And that's yeah. something that really tears my heart apart because, you know, it's such a big part of the culture in, in, in Ireland. And um, I really, really just want normality and being able to jump on a flight without masks and PCR tests and, and, and all these things and just being able to, you know, go back home and have a cup of tea with my mother and father. And, and uh, obviously, uh, you know, my, my sister uh, gave birth to a, to a baby boy in, in January, so I'm an uncle now and, and I just would love to be able to get over there and, and, uh, and, and be able to hold them and see them. And, um, yeah, the sooner the world goes back to normality, obviously the better for everybody. So bring it on. Bring it on. Definitely good words to end on. Thanks for chatting to me, mate. I'll see you soon. Take care. God bless. For more great World Rally Championship content, head to WRC Plus. With its thousands of hours of archive footage and exclusive live programming, event review shows and extensive onboards. Special features too on some of the legends of the sport. This is all available at wrcplus.com, the digital online home of the World Rally Championship.